0: PGX, thanks for coming out.
1: Make some noise for yourselves. Give yourself a round of applause for coming on. Thank you, and and all the brave people in the splatter seas. Awesome. Thank you for doing that. Yeah,
0: it's gonna get messy.
1: That's right. (laughs) So, uh, for anybody that these stories are wet and juicy.
0: (laughs) Yes, this is gonna be a wet and juicy time. Why so,
1: did I say that? I'm so sorry. I no, it's okay.
0: That's the actually, a lot of people think they're here to see a live episode of Start the Beat. This is a live episode of Wet and Juicy with my new friend, Paul Niemeyer. Make some noise. <laughs> so, I love you. And, <laughs> we're, uh, it's going to be a fun one. So, for anybody that, isn't familiar with Paul, you are an artist. You are a working artist who has been working in many different fields of art for decades, not even even outside of video games.
1: Oh, yeah, completely. In fact, uh, um, I I probably got as good a reputation in the haunted house industry as I do in uh, video game industry. I make a lot of appearances, uh, you know, to Uh, uh, Haunts and that sort of stuff, yeah. You know, for anybody that is
0: an artist in the audience, I think one of the things that's really important to be able to do is to be able to pivot between different aspects of the field that you want to be in and not just like put yourself into one lane, you know? Oh. Especially if you
1: really want to do it for a living. Oh, absolutely! You know, you have to be versatile. And you know, here's the thing: so many people come up to me and they and say, "Wow, you you know, you you made such a success of yourself in the gaming industry, and then and then you you know, for years you were a nature artist for the Department of Natural Resources and a Forest Service, and you know, and then you, then you owned your own haunted house there for about ten years, and and. Uh, you know, I've got all kinds of stuff I've done. So it, it, it looks like, and right now, right now I make my living doing sculpting. Uh, I I'm a, I design and sculpt uh, huge uh, props for uh, theme parks and escape rooms and haunted attractions all over the world. And, and that kind of came out of uh, the haunt. You know, when we, we made our own stuff and then uh, when we closed the haunt down, well, people kept coming to us for stuff, <laughs> you know? So yeah, that's, that's what I ended up. But the thing is, uh, from the outside looking in, it, it appears as though, you know, I'm I'm this creative butterfly floating from project to project as if I had no concern whatsoever. And nothing could be farther from the truth. What what it really is is I'm grabbing at whatever showed up. Okay. I I gotta make a buck, I got bills, I got you know, so you kind of follow the lead and and uh, I'd say my career was probably more generated by opportunity. Than that it was by by me being really directive. I, I'd say probably the only thing I really went out purposely and did was was open the haunted attraction. You and know, and, and even that, you know, I look back on it and I God was I naive. <laughs>
0: sure, sure, sure. I think that, you know, it's it's really highlighting just your natural creative mind and spirit to want to get into a bunch of, excuse me, S H I T getting into a bunch of poop that you really shouldn't, but your brain just wants you to do it because you're an artist. I'm curious about the transition. I mean, we're already out of video games, but you brought up the haunt. So I'm curious, a transition from like 2D art to 3D sculpting, what was that like for you?
1: Oh, that's a good question. And, and, and tell you the truth, not many artists, I don't, I don't wanna try, and, I'm not really bragging, but a little bit, a little bit. Uh, you're allowed to brag, Paul. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I have found working in the business that most artists are either 2D or they're 3D, and they, they cannot do both. Uh, uh, I have a handful of friends that can do both, and I, and I count myself as, as one of those people. So, uh, yeah, it is an interesting thing. I, I never really gave it any consideration until I realized that not everybody could do that. And you know, well, that was long after I was already doing it, yeah. you know? But again, a, a lot of it is, you know, like I said, I was naive. I, I think being naive to a certain extent is a blessing. Um, because it's almost like ignorance is bliss. You, you go into things without knowing that, that it could be a complete disaster and, and, you know, just stick to your face, but you, you kind of don't know that. You know, you and and you're always very optimistic. It's always gonna work out. And you always think, you know, if I if I just go in and work hard and, and do my best and and uh you know put my for my my best self forward, then it, it'll all work out. And it usually does. You know, I I I don't have a, a formula any more than that. I really don't.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's only so much that you can honestly prepare for in life, especially life as an artist, whatever it is, whether you're like doing computer graphics or visual graphics or making music or designing board games, whatever, you know, it's like there's only so much you can really control uh, because so much of what you do depends on other people liking it. And you can't control what other people like, really.
1: <laughs> right. How, how about it? You know, I mean, I, I say a lot when people come up and go, oh, Mortal Kombat. So awesome. My God, you you you, you created my childhood, you know, and, and all these. And I, I love hearing that. I never, ever get tired of hearing that. That's that's wonderful thing, uh, especially now that I've kind of been rediscovered about three years ago, because before that, I was completely forgotten about, you know, they, they ignored Orton for 27 years. You know, so I really had no input from uh, the audience as to what was going on out there. So, literally, three years ago, when uh, um, I was accidentally rediscovered, um, Doc Mack, who owns uh, uh, Galloping Ghost Arcade in Brookfield, it's the largest arcade in the world, There's about 750 machines on the floor, this is just an amazing place, um, he was contacted by one of my ex. Um, Haunted house uh, employees. Okay, yeah, yeah. One of, one of my one of my haunt uh, cast members was playing the original game, and he got to the end of it, and and my name was on it, misspelled. <laughs> one last indignity, I swear. A- anyway, uh, you know, so he calls me up and he's going, "Holy Jesus, is this you?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, God, I forgot all about that. This you know, a zillion years ago, nobody remembers that." And he goes. Are you out of your effing mind? It's Mortal Kombat, and you did the original, the original. And like he's trying to convince me that I like I, I'm I'm a somebody, I guess, you know. And, and I'm and I'm like doing my best to argue him down. No, nah, I don't think gonna, nobody remembers that crap. You know. Yeah. So he he was at the end of the conversation. He's totally frustrated. He goes, "I'm going to prove you wrong. Go do it." And I am like, "Yeah, that'll be the last I hear of this." It was not the last I heard of it. <laughs> okay, um, yeah. My my once once Doc he, he contacted Doc Mac, and then Doc Mac said, "Oh my God, you know this this guy's like fifteen minutes away." You know, he petitioned me for like six months to come down and meet my fans. I had to be convinced that I had fans. I I did not think that that was a thing. And literally it took him about six months and finally one day I went down there. And, and uh, I got to be honest, my impression was going to be, oh, there's going to be three guys that are gonna come up from their mom's basement because they ran out of hot pockets and, and, and Mountain Dew code red, right? And that's the only, the only reason they came up. And then they thought they'd swing by and say hi to me, and then it'll be over, and I can go back to my regular life, and that'll be it, right? That did not happen, okay? <laughs> yeah. Um, it turned out that the whole planet showed up. Uh, uh, I was not expecting that. and I, so and, and here I am, and I'm meeting you fine people. And we had a pandemic in between. You know, so so that that was a little little speed bump in the in the road there, but uh, we're certainly making up for it now. Um, I'm I'm appearing at 20 shows. This show. yeah, I know it's crazy. Yeah, it's really
0: awesome, and I think it's great that not only are you getting recognition for all this work that you did, but you're kind of getting to like step into a time machine and engage in these events in like a much different way. Are you like? Yeah. How much art have you come across that you kind of forgot that you did?
1: Oh my god, that that's kind of crazy in itself. I've actually walked into arcades, and uh, okay, uh, walked into Doc Max Arcade, and I saw a game, and I'm like, oh my god, I did the artwork on that. I totally forgot about it, and and it was kind of like a generic cabinet that Bally had done back in like '83 or something. Yeah, and and I was, you know, it's funny. I was a low man on a totem pole. Um, when I when I worked there, they had decided to combine the uh, ballet art departments and the midway art department. And I was actually hired by midway, and uh, um, I think that their impression of us was that we were kind of the production artists, and that's that's kind of how they, they treated us. So I realized right away I gotta make myself shine in this group, you know. So when they brought over over all the art gods, you know, fr- from from uh, ballet. Uh, my first thought was, "Oh my God, this is awesome! I'm working with the art gods. Holy crap! Look at this. I mean, I'm 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 one cubicle away from the from the guy from you know Doug Watson. I used to play his his pinball game in college, and now I'm working with him. Oh my God! And then I'll it realize, ah shit, I got to compete with these guys. Yeah, and you're in your early twenties at this point, right? Yeah, I was about twenty four. Twenty four. Oh, oh, so um. And, and again like, like they all had a couple years on me and lots of experience so you know i'm seeing it seems some serious competition you know that i had to kind of overcome and and i i realized right away i better find a way to shine so at the time this is like uh, 1982 like maybe summer of 82 and uh um, Midway had had just huge success with Pac-Man and Space Invaders and all those games. All those games had one thing in common: they were Japanese. All right. So the mindset over there was that the only game that's going to be successful will be Japanese. Now, in this, in spite of hiring probably you know the most talented artists on the planet and the most talented programmers on the planet. And putting them in all one place to do this and then taking great fistfuls of money and going to Japan and throwing them at whatever game happened to come across. It, it was insane. So, but I did see an opportunity there. And the opportunity was that all these games that came in needed some sort of American graphics so they could go out on test. And we used to send these games out on test to see if they did well or not. So somebody had to come up with a header or something. And the thing is we weren't concerned with the side art or panel art or any of that crap. Most of the time side art doesn't get seen anyway, right? It's shoved up against another machine, so who cares? All we had to do was come up with that header. And a header is the most important part of the entire game anyway. If you had any idea how many times people have come up to me and said um, about Mortal Kombat you know we would go into the into the arcade and we'd look for you know your your header that beacon i remember more people use the word beacon you know like like, and it would draw us right to it there's that beacon and and it would bring us in and i never considered any of that until i you know i go i'm doing these shows and now people come up and and saying all this stuff i had no idea how much my art had touched other lives and a sure. change of their lives. Um, I'm going to share a story. Uh, Absolutely. I, yeah, I, I, I hear this I hear this tale. Um, unfortunately, quite a, quite a bit of different versions of it. But but it kind of goes like this. Um, somebody will come up to the booth and they'll they'll start the regular conversation about the game and such. And then they'll tell me, you know, when I was a kid, I we grew up in a bad family relationship and it was abusive and and my brother and I would come and, and to the arcade and we you know we'd look for your game and there was that beacon and it would pull us in and that was our place to go to escape from our shitty life you know at home and, and i'm like oh god you're breaking my heart here you know and, and then without warning he goes yeah my brother's gone now so i play in his memory <laughs> you know a little warning before you- <laughs> yeah, it's you in can't a- just Spring that stuff on me, you know? Sure, sure, but, sure. But, but here's the thing. Uh, like I said, I've heard that st- of a different version of that story about like a half a dozen times already. You know, and it never really dawned on me how how over well it all is, that, that you know th- this artwork ha- has a life unto itself. It, re- it really does. It, it's reached out and touched so many other lives and so many other people and meant so much to them that you know, I, I, I've kind of gotten a whole new um, sense of, of who I am, and who that artwork and what that artwork is and what it means to everyone, uh, I, I things I never even considered. It's like it's all a big learning experience for me, too. Even doing the, these shows and i like talking to all of you, I, I'm i learning more about what the artwork is really about than, than I ever, you know, ever expected. Ever, sure, you know? sure, sure, sure. I mean,
0: you know, you're working. In the video game industry, starting in your early 20s, when like, you know, arcades are really, I mean, they've been a thing for a while, but they don't have the nostalgia that they have these days, right? The emotional weight didn't exist. But who could have guessed that, you know, three, four decades later that you would have this impact, any of this stuff, you know, I don't, I I sometimes jokingly say, I think that if some people realized what video games were going to do to the world, they probably would have been like, probably a bad idea. (laughs) <laughs> Probably a bad idea. Probably shouldn't do it,
1: but it's too late now. Change is hard. You know, change is difficult no matter how it comes, but but you know, inevitably everything is in a in a state of flux if you really look at it. We're, we're all changing as we speak. We're all changing. Absolutely. You know, right.
0: You know, uh, One of the fun things and this is a story I want to get into revolving around a particular arcade cabinet that you did. One of the fun things about the 80s outside of you know video games and arcades was the satanic panic <laughs> <laughs> and you my friend got a little dose of that yourself
1: king of the satan <laughs> worshipers yeah
0: and uh now. so uh for anybody that doesn't know uh you did satan's hollow <laughs> yes satan's I,
1: I was 24 years old
0: yeah and okay, okay and good. you got a. Uh, I i remember hearing a story about you getting hate mail, hate mail right, over uh, an arcade uh, cabinet oh, design. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, let's start at the beginning. <laughs> um, okay. So now at, the, at this point, uh, I, I oh, okay. I, I was carving a little, little, uh, niche out for myself at the company doing these headers for all these Japanese games that they were bringing in. You know? And so the nice thing about that was they're all one-offs. You know, so um, whatever I came up with, it, it went on and out the door it went. But the nice thing about it is everything had to be approved by my boss, which meant that I'm cranking out artwork every day, every day, every day, every day, you know, whereas everybody else is working it. You know, I've got a month to do the artwork for this pinball game and I'm going to take every minute of it, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. You know, but with me, they were just fast and quick and out the door and, and I became uh, what we call a fast wrist you know where, where you, you just whip the stuff out and i remember i had all kinds of uh, little tricks i would use uh when we were working on a game like sometimes you'd have like let's say like, oh the game is a robot in it okay so we, we you design three or four different robots and they oh, okay no, no, that's pretty good and take the head from this one put it on that one and that, that'd be the like, robot you use okay great those other four robots are still pretty good robots <laughs> okay so in the morgue file they go that's what we call the morgue file you know and every once in a while, like like a, a, a game would come along and, and they go well i need, we need a couple robots guess where they're coming from you know? so i'd pull them out of the morgue file and just uh, throw them on the light table and now they're all just freaking amazed you know how did he pull that out of his ass <laughs> you know <laughs> holy crap you know yeah, uh, I I was in fact on on free time, we would sit around and just just draw spaceships, aliens. Gonna need this eventually. Uh, go, eventually, right? Exactly. Somewhere <laughs> it's gonna come in handy. Uh-huh. Okay, so now let's get to Satan's hollow. So now, um, I'm doing this uh, to get get noticed, and it worked. So one day, uh, my boss, Paul Ferris, our God, um, and by the way, Paul, Paul Ferris, just just an amazing boss, just the best boss ever. Um, when I uh, ended up being a boss myself, I, I kind of modeled my bossness, we could call it, my bossness sure. a- after Paul, from one Paul to another. Uh, yeah, right, right. You know, uh, he really, he was just an amazing guy that-, that Poles was, of a feather stick together. <laughs> Everybody knows that. <laughs> you got the good jokes. <laughs> so, so, so anyway, um, so Paul Ferris comes, comes uh, oh, he's got a whole bundle of uh, blueprints under his, under his arm, and he comes to my desk, and he just tosses them on the desk, and he's going, how'd you like to do a game? I'm like, yeah, sure. Who am I working with? And he goes- you. You're working with you. i right, like, what? What about the art guys? Ah, they're busy doing some other crap. Who cares what they're doing? <laughs> this is for you. This one is specifically for you. So this is your first time
0: doing like a whole cabinet?
1: Oh yeah. 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 Uh, everything. And it's a rare thing back then in that um, I was the designer and the illustrator and the production artist on that game, which never happens now, would never. In fact, there's whole teams doing each one of those. There's a team designing, there's a team illustrating. there's a team doing the production Team letter A. Right, right, exactly. (laughs) But to some extent, um, design by committee is is just not a good way to do things. Too many cooks in the kitchen. Right, too many cooks in the kitchen, exactly. Too many. You know, so so anyway, getting back to this, uh, I was just thrilled. You know, I'm like, oh, my God, this is awesome as well. Awesome. This is my big chance, my big chance. And they're like, Ugh, my big chance. Ah, what if I screwed up? What if I blow up? You know, because uh, every artist thinks that, you know, I'm going to crash and burn. <laughs> but you don't. I don't know. It's healthy. Yeah, you, you might stumble a little bit, you know, and then, and then there's a couple of little speed bumps along the way. But But in the big picture. You know, you you know, you, you put it together, your, your time and your experience and your talent, you know, you, you, you draw on all those things and it, and it all comes together. So, okay. So now Satan's Hollow. So he comes over and he drops all this stuff on the, on the desk and, and he's like, you're doing this game. And I go, like, Oh, what's the game? Satan's Hollow. Uh, are you kidding me? That's really the name? Like again, it's the eighties. Yeah. It's the eighties. I'm like, are you kidding? Okay. Well, okay, so first of all, um, little background on me. I was raised in an ultra conservative farm community on a dairy farm, okay? I'm a dairy farm kid. So
0: being an artist in general is probably already a little left field for uh, the family.
1: Um, You know what, not so much for my family, but definitely for, for everybody like, in the community. Got it, got it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, when it's, it's a totally farm community where everything or everybody, whether you worked on a farm or not, you're, you probably had a job that was farm related. And and for anybody to not want to do a farm related job was almost like treason. It really was. They just acted like like oh, who do you think you are? You know, oh, you're somebody special. Yeah, kind of a little bit. I kind of always thought, you know, and and maybe you should be thinking that too. <laughs> All right. Absolutely. That's the only way you become special is to think like you're special. Okay. So, um, I, I had I had this ultra conservative Lutheran background and I'm doing Satan's Hollow, right? And and I couldn't even tell my mom. I knew (laughs) uh, I knew I was just gonna go bad. It was like ten years later I finally, hey mom, I did this game, you know, and she made the face, you know, Satan? Like church lady, yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, but mom, you're 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 like you're conquering Satan and you're beating the demons. And of course, she went, Satan. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I see you're just stuck on Satan. We're not getting past that, are we? No, that's gonna happen. So that was the big fear with, with was, was Satan's Hollow. You know? So anyway, I, I did this, and and uh, I was re- I was very proud of it, and yet I didn't want to show it to everybody. <laughs> Weird little paradox. You know? Um, when uh, the game had been out for oh I don't know maybe a month or two, uh, one day Paul came came by my desk, and uh, he had a handful of letters. He just tossed them on the desk, and I said, uh, "And this is?" He goes, "It's hate mail." Really, yeah, all right. Do you keep any of this? Oh, I'd give my arm. Oh, <laughs> I'd give my arm to have those letters now. Oh my god, <laughs> they, they were priceless. They were, oh, and, and they all have the same thing I'm going to hell. I'm, I, and anybody that I, that I influence to take to play that game, they're going to hell too. Oh, you are responsible for so many people going to hell. Wow. <laughs> I'm only twenty-four. <laughs> Look at what I did. <laughs> did I do that? <laughs> yeah, you did that. And uh so I remember tossing these letters. Ooh, and they were so very nice. Ooh, I was having like cotton bond, foil stamping crosses on them. Ooh, Jerry Falwell and Jim Baker and some other asshole. I forget what his name was. Uh, you know, all, all the TV evangelists from the eighties. Um, and uh, kind of oh, what I wouldn't give to have those letters now. They were they were priceless. They, re- they really were. So I remember Paul and and it, and he must he read the look on my face. You know, because I am twenty four and I am thinking hate mail. Ah, I am going to get fired. No, 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 no. It's the opposite, brother. Here, here, P. T. Barnum was right. The only bad publicity is no publicity, <laughs> right? So, uh, no. He he said no. You've, he goes, you made the big time. don't you get it? He goes, you have hate mail. Who gets hate mail? you got you gotta have done something to get hate mail. So you're in there, brother. I yeah, so I, I, that one moment kind of kind of changed everything for me. I, I I realize it's it you know, it doesn't matter you know what people think or or who's going to cry and bitch and moan about stuff. you know it, the the artwork will stand on its own. and And here we are fo- literally forty years later. And the artwork's still standing on its own, you know, so you Jerry Fallwell. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I think that, you know,
0: it's amazing just the amount of work looking back that you've done just in the video game space. Um, just I mean, do you have a number of how many like cabinets and games and things you've worked on? Do you know you even have any
1: idea the number? Dozens. Probably dozens. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're all aware of the of the famous ones, you know. I mean, I got a list on at, at my table of all the, you know famous games that I worked on, but uh, you know, there were dozens and dozens of games that I did the, those one-off headers for. Um, there were a number of other games that I worked on that that never went anywhere. That you know, they, okay, the year that I worked on Mortal Kombat, I I also simultaneously worked on Time Killers which was designed specifically to be the competition of Mortal Kombat.
0: (laughs) You know, uh, you had mentioned earlier about your name being spelled wrong (laughs) and uh, a lot of the treatment, I think, of artists at the time. And I know it was a thing for some artists, yourself maybe included, because you couldn't really initial or sign any work. But I know you had some silly little ways of
1: getting around that on some some cabinets yeah okay all right yeah i i'm a very very bad boy uh we were specifically threatened don't sign the artwork don't don't put your initials in the artwork don't do it that was the boys upstairs okay so I remember one day, and, and, and it's funny, in the art department, my desk was positioned in a way that, that anybody that came and went in the art department, I saw them. My, my, my desk was right by the door. So um, Paul Ferris had gone to a meeting with the boys upstairs, came down, I could tell he was pissed. Um, he walks past me, he's got that look on his face like he's just going to you know ram his head into a wall. and. Uh, uh, Goes out to the middle of, the, of the, the area and he goes, come on, everybody gather around. So I'll get there and he goes, well, all right, just in a meeting upstairs with the boys about, you know, you guys signing the artwork, hiding your initials. He looks right at me, hiding your initials. and Because I, I was notorious for that. You know. <laughs> uh, it's, it's on Satan's Hollow. And uh, the one that's probably the most notorious is is, is uh, Pac-Man Plus. I, I, I remember it. You know, should I? Should I not? You know, the, the, when the graphics are super simple, pretty hard to hide a <laughs> hide hide your initials in there, right? So Pac Man Plus was kind of on the borderish of that, you know. So I I took my initials P E N pen that had worked out. Thanks, mom and dad. Uh, artists with initials pen, way to go. You know, anyway, um, I I see that header now and namco has come back and taken my initials off. <laughs> 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 but it was 20 years later before they got around to doing that you know so okay so now back, back to paul so paul he's got got the whole crew around him and he's it is giving us the, you know the finger wagging about you know putting our initials and our names in it and he goes so here's the thing guys don't get caught don't get caught. You guys got to be more clever about this. You got to hide it so they won't find it. Cause here's the, and he's telling us here's the formula. You got to get it through the first, you know, uh, look through, you know, the first look, through, look over. If you get it past that and they approve it, it can't go backwards. Cause it's too expensive to go back and change the production art. So it's, it's like, it's sealing the deal. So make sure you hide it well enough so that the boys upstairs don't see it until it's way too late. Now with him, he boldly signed all his stuff, and he didn't give a damn what they thought. And and, and they knew they couldn't lose him, so they they just turned a blind eye to him signing everything. And, and by the way, if you're if you're familiar with Paul Ferris and his work, um, yeah, you, you have to check out like like uh. uh uh, Paragon and uh, Lost World and uh, oh, just just a number of, of games. Just go check his stuff out. The the muscle bound guy that's in it is him. He always did. He always painted himself. A- and the, and the hot babe laid out at the, at the front of it is Jen, his wife. Always. They were huge into bodybuilding at the time. He, in fact, Paul before uh, his uh, tenure as an art god you know, at Bally, was an art teacher, high school art teacher, and uh, a wrestling coach, okay? That's an interesting crossover. You don't get that too often. How about it, yeah. And, and uh, just, just a great guy. Uh, he was, man, he was just built. He was just like, you know, muscle, muscle bound and, and uh, um, just the nicest guy. Just really, just just a, a great soul. And and the funny thing is, like, when all that was done, he went back to teaching high school art. You know, very, very humble guy. Just went back to teaching and, and, and coaching uh, wrestling again. You know, and, and as coincidences would have it, um, my nieces and nephews had him as their art teacher at, at, <laughs> yeah, 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 at a local high school, you know, yeah. a Lincoln Way South you know, or Mid-Central or whichever one. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's matter. so cool. You know, going
0: back into uh, Pac-Man Plus, one of the fun things about that
1: is the alphabet oh yeah can you talk yeah. about the pac-man alphabet right um when they came to me with that that game they, they were like uh okay uh we, we want the words exciting new and it's pac-man plus and i'm like uh-huh well we need those letters I'm like okay well let's just go get them yeah you like know, you, no no you're not hearing me they don't exist the only the only Letters that exa- exist in that typeface are P, A, C, M, and N. Yeah. You know, you're missing 21 letters from that alphabet, which you need to do. Oh, okay. So I found myself inventing the very 1st packabet Uh For lack of a better term, let's call it pack That's an incredibly wild fact. Uh, yeah and 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 I didn't really think of it as, uh, I mean now you can go on and, and find 20 or 30 different versions of it but uh, I'm I'm pretty sure mine was the very very first uh, version of that so there I guess I've got that that claimed to
0: and it like go, it goes back into just like how like somewhat mundane a lot of the work was back then because there wasn't computers, there wasn't just downloading a font. Like the, a lot of the artists that were working at this time had to create new letters and all of the like any like shapes that you see around the joysticks and things like that. None of that was done on a computer. It's all. Hand done, hand thought out, all yeah. of the colors, your gradients and the spectrums and all this stuff. It's really neat to look at that stuff.
1: Uh, you know, since I've been on the computers, uh, this is 2004, so I think when I finally broke down and got on the computer, realized I was, if I wanted a career. <laughs> got to pivot. <laughs> I, bet, I bet, yeah, I bet. change is hard, remember? When change did you start
0: The Haunted House?
1: Yes. When did oh, you start that? No, no. What,
0: when, what year did you start the haunted oh, house? Uh, 2006. So this is a couple years after realizing that you have to do art on a computer. Did the haunted house give you a reason to still work with your hands and not have to be on a computer? Have you ever thought about that?
1: Do you, get, do you understand the question that I'm asking you? that that's a <laughs> interesting premise i didn't really you know you don't look at yourself it's hard to stand back and, and yeah. actually you know look at yourself but that's true you know i mean I, I really am a hands-on guy and and uh you know even now um at the at the time i, I was pretty successful uh airbrush illustrator for uh the advertising agency had another, another thing to the agency. list yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh um so when I wanted to transition over to computers, I had to find a way to do it seamlessly so that my artwork didn't look, you know, like all of a sudden. Oh, this is when he changed. You know, uh, I, I'm I'm pretty faithful in, in thinking that no one noticed when that changed. Um, what I did, I I still do everything by hand more or less. I mean, uh, uh, like whatever subject matter it is that I'm doing, I draw it out by hand first, and then and then scan the pencil drawings into. You know Photoshop and and colorize it that way. So it's kind of a combo of old school and new school, and and you know t- trying to meld the two you know uh, texts together. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, going back to your, your 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 thought there, yeah, that that's very interesting. Um, doing the haunted house was was really hands on, and, and I'll tell you the truth, it was like a huge sculpture. You know. Um, at the end, I had my haunt had about seventy cast members and twelve thousand square feet of haunt. It was it was a big deal. Uh, it was a huge show. I ran it for about uh, nine years um, in one of the hardest haunted house markets on the planet, Chicago. Okay. I don't know why. I don't have an ex- explanation for that, but. Chicago has more professional haunted houses than any other place on the planet. And they're all killer, because they have to be, all right? Because, you know, if, if, if yours isn't, there's 19 other ones that are, you know? Most cities, you go to another city, they'll have like maybe one, maybe two other haunts, you know? So anyway, it's like, it's throwing down the gauntlet. You know, you've got you. If you want to be successful in this business, you want to you want to have a haunt that's going to last nine years. You better be in the top ten. And you know? also, I'm very proud of my group. They were there. They, they put forth everything, and and they were. We were we were a top ten haunted house. But you're right. It, it was it was an. Uh, it was an opportunity to do hands-on, to you know, really get my my get dirty again and and work with materials and, and uh, you know build stuff and make things and paint and you know. And
0: yeah. Also, like being an artist can be like incredibly isolating. So if you're somebody that is like being and you like being around people, you like talking, you like gabbing it up, you seem like a social person, Paul. You probably just want to be around other people and do cool art together
1: and oh, make something fun. The, I'm telling you, the haunt was the most fun I've ever had. It, it really was, and, and just because of the people. you know, um, it, it drew in creative people, so many uh, the cast members, they came to, you know, they wanted to learn how to make props. And they wanted to learn how to paint. And they wanted to learn how to how to do makeup and then how to do costumes and how to, you know, do everything. Everything that was involved with it. And they, they were invaluable. They're, they're just such an incredible asset to have. And, and you know, just they were raw material, you know. And, and, I, and I took my time to, to teach them. And, you know, uh, anything they wanted to learn, I was more than happy to teach them. You know and it really paid off they they all you know picked up the ball and ran with it and and uh and i was just so proud to to see that happen and i'm so proud of them and um it was a real sense of family we, we always made sure that we we you know treated everybody at the haunt like family um i, I, I hate to say it but a lot we fed everybody we, we we used to used to joke and say you know if you give them a cheeseburger and add a boy and a pat on the head they Storm the gates of hell for you. And it would. <laughs> you know, sure. for a cheeseburger and an attaboy. You know? Yeah. And, and uh, you know, and funny thing is, when we're when we were running the haunt, I'd say to my wife, yeah, you know, she was my partner on the haunt, I'd say, I see how gangs work. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not joking though, really, really. I, really, I mean, when when I when we would see how much influence we had. And, well by telling them things or, or they you know that I mean they'd come to us and, and ask us incredibly intimate questions I'm like I'm not your dad yeah but you know you'd give me better advice than my dad oh okay you know I mean that that was that was, it really it, it was more camp counselor than, than it was you know director it was it was a lot going on uh, absolutely you know? yeah. You know, so so that that in itself was an amazing experience. Was just seeing, you know, everybody kind of blossom and and become who they were supposed to be. Um, yeah, that that was so much fun. It was it was great. And, and and actually, that that's that's kind of segued into what I'm doing now. You know, I'm I, I you know, designing uh, props and building them for, you know, theme parks and haunted houses and all over the world. It's great fun. You know, who knew, who knew? I mean, I I could have written this.
0: Yeah, you know, it's a very, being an artist is such an unpredictable thing. You know, I've been working as an artist to some degree for the past 10 years of my life. And I have no idea what's going to happen in the next 10. I'm sure I'm probably not going to be doing anything close to what I'm doing now because what I'm doing now is way different than what I was doing 10 years ago. And it's always going to change. You just got to be able to go with those changes. And most importantly, make sure that, like, you're happy. Being an artist can be very, again, all the self-doubt and beating yourself up and all that. It's really mentally taxing once you start getting into it. And it's also hard when, you know, you love art so much, but you're also doing it as like, it's my financial it's necessity.
1: Job. It's a job.
0: The way the, your relationship with it really, really changes.
1: Oh, Yeah. For for sure, definitely, you know, and and the thing there too is is you find yourself sacrificing, um, the art that you would want to do for yourself. Yes, you know, I mean you, you don't have time for that because I got bills to pay, and this art here is, is paying me three thousand dollars, whereas you know painting these flowers that I like to paint is making me nothing. <laughs> right, you know, and 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 it's and sadly you start equating. Everything like the success of the artwork to how much money you made off of it, you know. And, yes. and and I never wanted to do that, but it's almost impossible not to. And especially if you start making serious money and working for the ad agencies, that was serious serious money. At least back in the back in the nineties, not so much anymore. But boy, it it really was back in the nineties. Yeah. You know, we were making anywhere from eighty five to one hundred and twenty five dollars an hour in nineteen ninety two money. Yeah, it was just, just crazy, you know. Yeah. So, um, the game, oh, by the way, the games weren't paying that. <laughs> <laughs> doing game artwork was not paying that money. No. No, and I got to be honest, doing the game stuff was my sideline. And I got a great respect for all the people that, uh, all my the friends that I have in the industry who have made their, whole living in the industry i don't know how i really don't all i can say is that they just must be incredibly prolific and, and just created an incredible amount of artwork to have generated enough money to to survive on cuz it's tough there's not that much money to be made at, at this level in in uh, uh, the gaming industry sadly there should be you think that you know the artists are the reason that the whole thing is is happening but uh, un- unfortunately uh, time will, uh, you know, support me on this for thousands of years. The artist has never been the one that's got the money. So,
0: absolutely, this seems like an unfortunately good segue into Mortal Kombat. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but we got to talk about it eventually. Uh, you know, Mortal uh, Kombat. It's the, it's the. You got the shirt on. Yeah. The yeah. Pu- the buttons. Right. A lot of people are very
1: familiar with that game. Sure. Arguably
0: probably one of the more popular cabinets that you worked
1: on. Yeah. yeah. If not the one, probably probably the most well-known, that's for sure, yeah. without a doubt, you know. Um, yeah, that was very interesting. Um, well, okay, uh, here's how I got involved with Mortal Kombat. Yeah. All right. Kind okay. Of, it was really over a desk. Okay. A desk. How's it got a drawing desk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so here's the thing. I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, originally Jean-Claude Van Damme was supposed to be on the side of the cabinet and uh, they were negotiating with him. now in 92, he was like a hot ticket, man. He was the guy. Um, and he knew he was the guy. And unfortunately that that was his downfall with this game is because he negotiated himself right out of the deal. They wanted too much. They couldn't give it to him. And eventually it just broke down. Now, in the meantime, the game was being developed and we're already past the halfway point. So when when they gave Jean-Claude Van Damme the boot, the boys upstairs all, all had it in their heads that he was the, the key element to this being a success. And when he's gone, it's no longer going to be a success. But we've already got this much production into it, so let's just bang this thing out and get it done and be done with it um let's not tie up a uh, staff artist uh, uh greg asked greg ferris who was my my former supervisor at uh back in 82 84 when i was at ballet uh he was working on the project and i said greg who can you you know recommend oh paul he's he's the fastest gun in the west man you know so that that's how i came in up so um i go to the initial meeting and it was the day that they changed the name from Dragon Attack to Mortal Kombat. So and I want you to kind of consider this premise. Think of Mortal Kombat if the name were Dragon Attack and it had Jean-Claude Van Damme on the side. Right? Not, not, it probably it probably would have been popular for a couple of years, but it would have fallen to the wayside just like every other. You know, game, and that was our mentality too. Was that the games were all very popular until they weren't, and when they weren't, they just fell into the scrap pile, and that was the end of it. In our heads, we always—I thought, I mean, I never expected to be here forty years or thirty years later talking about these games. We, we thought when they when they go down in flames at the end of it, when they're no longer popular, that's the end of that, and nobody thought twice about it. No You could have knocked me over with a feather if somebody would have suggested to me 30 years ago we'll be talking about this in a huge way. You you can't. Believe, you'll be touring around the country and giving interviews and being on TV and a movie and everything. Bullshit. Sure. <laughs> I would have never thought that would have happened, but look, it's happening. Crazy, huh? Yeah. You know. Okay. So um, they bring me in. And, uh, that very first meeting, it was, uh, Jack Hager and Greg Ferris and John Tobias and Ed Boone and me. And, uh, for an hour, it was just rapid fire, everything they'd done. And I'm writing furiously, a page after page of notes and I'm, you know, all this stuff. And, uh, we, we, we get to the end of the meeting and, uh, I'm, I'm kind of putting all my stuff away. And all of a sudden, Ed Boone goes, Oh, almost forgot. We're changing the name to Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Maybe you want to lead with that, right? <laughs> you, know? you may start the meeting out like that. No, no. Okay, so I wrote down Mortal Kombat, and, and I, I barely spelled combat wrong because Ed looked over my shoulder and goes, With a K. Like, idiot. <laughs> Well, of course, with a K. What was I thinking? You know, like <laughs> a big K on there. You know, so and it was funny because I, like, I I've been writing so much that like my pen died. You know, so I'm looking around the table and there was a green marker you know, and I that, that, I just wrote it in a green marker. You know? So that for forever that, that's written on the on the little you know, layout. And I have all those layouts. I still I kept everything.
0: Oh, that's cool. You have yeah. that stuff still?
1: Yeah, I've got I've got John Tobias's designs. I've got I, I kept literally everything i'm such a pack rat i swear um my wife bitched about it for years you know (laughs) why do you keep all that crap well now oh am i vindicated or what oh i'm I'm that that was the (laughs) most wait him laughing yeah he knows (laughs) he knows Uh i'm right i'm actually right and there's proof holy fuck this is the best day ever (laughs) My wife has to admit I'm right about something and live with it every day from now on. I have won the prize. Look at me and marvel, (laughs) all of you. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding, man. She does not bitch about a thing now, man. (laughs) You save that, honey. That might be worth something. Who are you? What have you done with Terry? What the hell? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. She's seen it in a whole different view now. Absolutely. So funny. So funny. Yeah, but I've got everything. I mean, like I even have like a sketch where we made some changes and, you know, John Tobias wrote on there, oh, more changes, Paul. I kept all that crap, you know, only to find out that nobody else did. I, apparently, I'm the only one with, with uh, production art from Mortal Kombat. Anything, you know, Inc- including the original dragon uh, illustration.
0: That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely insane. Which I forgot about. <laughs> That's even more insane. <laughs>
1: I, I, well, you know, when you do a lot of stuff. I mean,
0: like, okay, look, well, you are a human being that exists on planet Earth. So you do things like you, like, go to the store, right? You, you say like, so. You, like, go to, like, Target. <laughs> And like Mortal Kombat has existed in a big way for like the past 30 years. Have you ever just like walked past something like you see the game in a store or like a movie advertisement or anything and you're just like, oh yeah, I remember that. Or are you just like completely over
1: your head? Um, somewhere in between those two, yeah. actually. Well, you know, um, and I don't want to go into the details of it, but um, things did not end well. Sure. At the end of the first Unfortunately. game. Unfortunately yeah. Well well here's the thing. Uh, I, I can tell you this. Um, the we we finished the game up and it came out and they had sold BGX cosplayers. Attention BGX
0: cosplayers we are having we are having a cosplay. <laughs> <Yeah>. Wow.
1: <laughs> All right, we're having a cosplay contest. If you'd like in the back area near the cosplay booth, you can look for our featured cosplayers Sarah Spector
0: and Nunslat. They can get you situated on signing up for that cosplay contest today. Thank you so much. I just wanted to make sure everyone heard that.
1: <laughs> and now back to our previously recorded show. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the ranch. <laughs>
0: end
1: of Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, yeah, End of Mortal Kombat. Right. So, uh, yeah, it di- didn- didn't necessarily uh, end well. Uh, for me, and uh, long story short, I was kind of uh, forgotten about for 27 years, and uh, really wasn't getting any. Uh, apparently, did not get any credit for it. I'm not sure who, who was, but uh, sure, that's another
0: know. situation of the artists uh, not getting credit, and also, uh, I, I, there's, I mean, you know, we all love Mortal Kombat One. For nostalgia reasons, it's not a good game. It's never been a good game. It's fun, but it's not a great game. I don't know how or why
1: it it blew up. It was just innovative. Yeah, it just.
0: but I remember the chokehold that it had on me as a child. I remember the first time seeing it being like, I've never seen anything this insanely violent in my life, and I love it. So really, that's (laughs) all it was, was just
1: the violence, I guess. Right, right. So, well, well, that's a funny thing, too, is... uh, you know, when you look back at it now, it's comical. You know, we're look That's violent, was it? Sure, you know, it's, it's comic violence. It's like little little red pixels. That's not blood. It's just red pixels. You know, um, but at the time, everybody was losing their mind over the. You know how everybody? It's turning everybody into an assassin. You know? I remember the first
0: time I heard about Mortal Kombat was in an issue of Time magazine. They were talking about like violence in video games. And there was just a picture of Kano holding that heart ripped out of the chest. My mom was getting her hair done. I was at the salon. I was so bored. I only had a Time magazine to read. And as soon as we left, I was like, hey, mom, do you think we can get this video game? It's called Mortal Kombat. I eventually ended up getting it on Game Boy. Big wolf. Not good. <laughs> the Game Boy port of Mortal Kombat's not good. But eventually, I did end up getting it on Super Nintendo. We don't got to get into all that. But uh, yeah, Mortal Kombat has had a dramatic impact on my life. Oh,
1: well, okay. So so here's contrast to that. Yeah. Oh, let me know. Okay. Play it on so, me. Yeah. So, okay. Back to the Jean-Claude Van Damme. He's gone. Well, they, they hired Dan Pesina. Uh, because a number of reasons, he could do the splits. Um, he looked like Jean Claude Van Damme, and he was a kung fu master. Also, you know, so he was just hitting on all cylinders there. You know, and, and uh, just the nicest guy. I've come, re- become really good friends with, with him over the last couple of years. Uh, none of us knew each other back in the day. They, they made sure they kept everybody apart. You know, it's, it's, like, it's kind of like working for Disney. I, I, I've worked for Disney a lot, a lot. And everybody goes, oh, that must be so much fun. It is not, <laughs> not. Isolating, I imagine. It is isolating. Yeah, that is exactly it. Um, you're usually dealing with one person, and that's it. And they're only feeding you as much information as you absolutely positively need, and it's a bare minimum thing. Uh, even working for Disney, like if I was working on like maybe Hercules or whatever, um, uh, Little Mermaid or any number one of those those properties a lot of the times I had no idea what it was actually for or how it was going to be used I just knew I was doing the artwork and they just gave me a bare minimum and it has to be this size has to fit in this format just blah 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 what's it for none of your damn business be that way <laughs> no but that's that's the business you know so it was kind of that was what it was like more uh, mortal Kombat. and the thing there too is i I was kind of self-isolation to that i was a freelancer so after that initial meeting i took that stuff home to my my studio at home and i i was gone and i was out of sight out of mind and the next time i showed up with was final product you know so um so here's the thing uh the boys upstairs still had it in their heads that this game was going to be a huge flop, and and they're just really just going through the motions, and uh, um, they were only making two hundred games, and I believe that I don't know, but I'm I'm guessing that was probably a break even, you know, and they were just they were just looking to get their money back out of it, you know? and you know, get me out of it. Oh, I never finished the story about the desk. Why? How I got. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not a skitz, I swear. Anyway, um, at the end of that meeting, when I was walking out, uh, Greg was by the door, and he goes, well, I hope this makes up for the desk. The desk? And it took me a little bit, I took about three steps and I realized, oh my God. So there's a backstory. Tony Ramoni, who was in the art department in 82, 84, when I worked there, um, when, when the big, um, what do we call it? The the, the video game uh, fallout that happened in '84, we all lost our jobs. Everybody, you know, got got uh, you know, kicked to the curb. Uh, afterwards, Greg had called up everybody and asked them if they wanted their desk. You know that we had these fantastic drawing desks in, in the department, and somehow, I didn't get that phone call. <laughs> But I think it was because I was the Midway guy and those were the, they were the Bally guys, and that, and, and no, no matter how much uh, we integrated with them, it seemed like it was always they were the Bally guys and we were the Midway guys regardless, you know? So uh, fast forward a couple years, Tony Ramoni is going to move back to Italy and he's got this desk and he calls me up and he goes, hey, Paul, you got, have you got room for another desk? I went, another desk? And he goes, yeah, yeah, you know, you got your, you got a desk at the end. No, I did not get a desk at the end of it. <laughs> I don't have no idea what the hell you're even talking about. So he explained to me, and, I, and I'm like. Satan? Satan, yeah. Satan. Yeah, so I, I didn't get, so he goes, well, you get a desk anyway. And I was yeah. like, okay. So, so I went over and I, and I picked up the desk. Okay, now fast forward A couple of years to 1992 apparently at one point or another Tony had shared with Greg that he had given me his desk okay so now put that together I'm walking out of the meeting and Greg goes I hope this makes up for the desk (laughs) like I said it took me a few minutes because it was about eight years that passed you know since that incident had happened but you know, Greg, Greg in that shit-eating grin of his, standing there with that, you know, there, you know say dun, you know, kind yeah. of look on his face, you know, I can tell he's been waiting a long time to do this. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, so that, that's that's how I got the the job on Mortal Kombat. So anyway, going <laughs> back to to the production, they did two hundred games, and uh, it was uh, popular. Okay, it was little, so some people liked it. Yeah, people liked it, and uh it was so popular, and people liked it so much that the, uh, anybody care to guess what the second run was? Ten thousand. So they went from two hundred to ten thousand games almost overnight. Well, it was it was pretty pretty insane. insane. It is insane. Yeah, you know, I gotta say, I think. Part of the, the success of Mortal Kombat was, was the fact that um, they did think it was going to be a flop. So they weren't watching us. You know, nobody was watching the kids. They didn't come down and check on us. Nobody called me up and go, all right, bring that stuff. I want to scrutinize it. They could give a flying damn. Then do whatever. To, so, is it done? That's all they cared about. Is it done? Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. So that was great. Because quite honestly, I, I did all sorts of innovative stuff. on. on uh, I remember thinking on, on the side artwork, Doing the color separations. Hey, what if I airbrush transparent red inks onto frosted vellum, and you and and you know the camera sees red as black, so I could create the you know, and that's what I did. I would never tried that before, and and you know, it, with other games they were all cut and dry, so you didn't have any opportunity to do that stuff. So. Attention PGX
0: attendees at two p.m. We've got anime roulette in the panel room, hosted by Unlockable Content. If you're interested in anime roulette, check out. The panel room at two o'clock.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on a lip-syncing uh, <laughs> career. Yeah. Yeah, if, this, if this art thing fails, <laughs> I'll
0: yeah, will fall back it, on yeah, something, right? Do lip-sync performances to mundane con announcements. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. Uh, okay, we're out of time, right? Oh, we're getting there. Oh,
1: okay. All right.
0: We can go over just a little oh, bit.
1: Oh, oh, okay. All right.
0: Oh, uh, uh, well. Uh, but... Uh, to wrap up that that where we were talking about with the Mortal Kombat situation and the art on the cabinets and everything, any anything else you want to say about that? Um, and the fun processes well, of designing
1: yeah, that. Well, you know, yeah, well, yeah that that was that was that was awesome in itself. It As like I said, it, um. Oh, I'm going to tell you about Time Killers and Mortal Kombat. This is an interesting premise of that. I was working on both of these at the same time. Uh, maybe that was questionable. I don't know. Well, but, you're a freelancer, so. Well, yeah, true, true. And, and, and here's the thing. Here's the reality of it. I, did, I didn't even have an NDA with Mortal, with Mortal Kombat. And to this day, don't. They forgot. Yeah, yeah, you're laughing. Yeah, I know, but, but I'm telling you, it was it was a rodeo back then. It really was, you know. And, and it was such a contrast to my regular life, <laughs> my regular life. Right? <laughs> like this is that this is the irregular life, you know. <laughs> but when I'd work at the ad agencies, the very first thing you do, you'd walk in the door and they'd hand you the NDA, and you signed it, and, and then you went to the meeting. Not the other way around. That was how they did it, at, you know, at Midway. And I remember Greg just randomly mentioning, eh, "We should get an NDA from you. You should probably do that." And they never did. And that was at the end of that. So that my problem, <laughs> you know. Oh yes, please bring in bring a document that that hinders me and and keeps me from showing stuff. And that's what I want to sign. That and I, no. Okay, so now um, real quickly, the, yeah. the difference between time killers and Mortal Kombat. I know, has anybody played Time Killers? You know what Time Killers is? Anybody here? Oh, okay, so all right. All right, very good, very good, cool. That, that's good, I'm glad you do. Because here's the thing. What I did on Time Killers was I illustrated all those backgrounds on the actual screen that where the fighters are, are, are fighting. So the, here's the thing, uh, both of those teams at incredible technologies and at Williams or Midway, they call it was owned by Williams, but they call themselves Midway. That's another story. Anyway, um, they are approaching this, this this problem with the exact same concept. We're going to capture artwork, and then we're going and then the other part of the artwork we're going to create electronically. But the only difference was with Mortal Kombat, they use motion capture to to do all of the combatants. And then the backgrounds were all electronically generated. Time Killers was the opposite. We, I, I found myself painting all the, the, illustrating all those backgrounds almost as like cartoon cells, like where the yeah. background is, is stationary and then as as the combatants move back and forth, then the backgrounds move so, so, so it gives it dimension. And they had a very rudimentary program that was able to, uh, change the perspective of the foreground. So we had to, or I had to, uh, paint either horizontal or vertical you know, planks that they were fighting on so it was easier for the, for the program to, to shift the perspective on them. And that, that's, that's how they worked that. You know? And then all the characters were electronically generated, which was the complete opposite of what was going on in Mortal Kombat. And, and I kind of had a front row seat for that, and neither one of them knew it. <laughs> yeah you know, and the funny thing oh, oh i almost forgot at one point um I'm, I'm really cranking it out mortal Kombat, just getting this stuff together and apparently incredible technologies had a guy on the inside over at williams midway because uh, one day they called me up and they're going you know we're gonna have to bump up the production on there um so whoever they got working on mortal Kombat over there or they're called they're still called dragon attack you know, whoever's got working on dragon attack over there is really kicking it in we need you to pump it up and I'm going it's me <laughs> <laughs> once again I've screwed myself <laughs> I'll work hard and do better no you'll just screw yourself that's yeah. never fun <laughs> but I worked hard shouldn't there be a reward there is a reward you screwed yourself that's a reward <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I thought I always thought that was interesting that you know these two teams were looking at the same technology and came up with completely opposite viewpoints and production, uh, you know, uh, status of it. They totally, pretty, yeah, that's crazy. Totally. It's
0: that's really some great yeah, pretty funny. insight and perspective and background. And I'm sure that I could talk to you for another hour, I would actually really like to, but unfortunately. Some other people are going to do their thing. This is a convention celebrating all sorts of things. Oh,
1: they're probably interesting too. They're going to be great. Your whole day is going to be great. Who's here all day? Make some noise. Absolutely, thank you so very much for coming out and listening to me babble for a while about my, my life and what happened and uh, it, it's, it's been a crazy, crazy ride and thank you for all, for being part of it, whether a little bit or a lot of it. Um, it it's really all down to you. You're the fans and without you, it would just be a bunch of, you know, nice dragon art all the way, really. Yeah. Let's face it, thank you, thank all of you. I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: And thank you, Paul, so much. Thank you all for coming out real quick here. i uh, just going to do something. Just so you know, I do have the Mortal Kombat logo hey, tattooed on me.
1: it's facing the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> Supposed to be facing this way. <laughs> I love that uh, you're such an artist
0: that the first thing that happens is you just critique it. As soon as I show it to you, you no, know, like, oh that's cool, big deal. You're like it's backwards. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much, Paul. It's been a wonderful day. Bless you all. Thank you. <laughs> Peace out. <laughs> Thank you guys.